Welcome to Books, Broads, and Booze. This is your host, Janie. And Monica. Hello, hello. Hello, friends. How is it going? So we're continuing on our journey of books to movies. Yes, this is a great one. And this month we chose Stardust by Neil Gaiman. One of our favorite authors. Yes, he's fantastic. I love him so much. So I bought the Audible version of it. And at the end of it, it has him being interviewed by... Um, Blackstone Audio or or whoever it was that published the audio version. And it was interesting because it was before the film was came out. Oh. But after the book had been published. So I was like, oh, this is kind of interesting. That would be. So I recommend that. I am not an Audible subscriber, so I only purchase it. But yeah, I I just checked it out from the library. Every library probably has it. (laughs) (laughs) It um. It was originally illustrated like a comic strip. Oh, I didn't know that. And then it was turned into a book. Um, hmm. I think what he said was that he was at some sort of um, award show place where he won something like a nebula. <laughs> and uh, somebody was like, his new publisher was like, well, what are you working on? He goes, well, I'm working on this. And she was like, well, let's put it into a book. And he was huh. like, okay. Interesting. Yeah. So yeah. I have some discussion questions that I got from um, a blog called Spread the Word. Thank you, Spread the Word. It says um, Michelle Rosenfeld. So she came up with these. She found about the book. I, so I think she found them, but she compiled them. So we're ah. just going to we're going to roll with it. So question one. Stardust is preceded by John Donne's song which begins, go and catch a falling star. Why has Neil Gaiman chose to begin this book with this poem? How is it relevant to the story that follows? How does it help to establish the mood of the book? Now, from listening to his interview, mm-hmm. he was at this award ceremony in New Mexico, and he said that when you see a falling star in Britain, it's just like a little streak of light. He goes, but when you see a falling star in New Mexico, it's completely different. And so then he was like, where did the star go? What's going on? And that's where he got the idea for it. That's so cool. And I can imagine how beautiful the stars look from New Mexico. um, Because we've talked about, you can actually go on stargazing tours out there. We've thought about doing it um, one of these years. So I can imagine it was so beautiful. Right. He was like, it was completely different from anything he experienced in Britain. So it inspired him to write about a falling star. And I was like, oh, that's why I chose that question, just because I wanted to talk about that. Yeah. And the the song is, I didn't even really think about it until I read the question. And I mean, I guess it's just like a little magical kind of nursery rhyme song, isn't it really? I think so. Yeah. Yeah. He... He, it's like a adult fairy tale novel. That's how I describe it. Yeah, I feel like the book Stardust has a real Princess Bride feel to it. Same. Yeah, yeah. it's like a love story, but it's kind of funny. Yeah. <laughs> and it's a fantasy, but also um, feels kind of contemporary, I guess. Yeah. 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 I, I thought so, too. Mm-hmm. Let's see. <clears throat> How would you explain the fact 
that the characters in the novel take existence of fairy for granted while contemporary readers find it more or less impossible to believe in such a place. What changes have occurred between Victorian age and our own that might account for this disbelief? I don't have a disbelief that fairy exists, so perhaps I am the wrong person to ask that question. She's still in the Victorian age. <laughs> I do think that this was one of the coolest differences that I really liked about the book, didn't like so much about the movie, is that the, the fairies realm came and they had their um, market every nine years just on the other side of the wall in the field so so all the villagers knew about it and it was a big event it's like going to the fair or right, something right, like that yeah, yeah whereas in the book it wasn't like that at all like nobody knew about it oh you mean in the movie nobody in the movie yeah, yeah in the movie yeah. nobody knew about it at right, all right. so i was like yeah that's boring <laughs> <laughs> yeah uh, that was that was yeah one of the disappointments. Yeah, there there was a couple of things that I was just sort of like oh, but I really liked the movie. Mm-hmm. I I think it's there a were several movie. things about the movie I liked better, which doesn't always happen. It doesn't, but I think um, he even said in his interview that there was like typos or like misinformation that he. Because he wrote it, and then somebody illustrated, and then he would go back and edit what he wrote. And, like, there was one thing about, like, sharpening the blades of the witch, and he was like, it's obsidian. You can't sharpen that with, a, like, a stone. He's like, that's stupid. He's like, why is that in there? Why did I just read that? He was like, oh, my gosh, I have to make sure this is changed in the next edition, which made me laugh. And I was like, oh, I'll have to look at my, my ebook version and see what it is. Right. So. How does the accident of seeing a star fall from the sky spark the plot of the novel? How does this event bring together the main characters and the major actions of the story? What different meaning does the star have for those who pursue her? I thought that was really interesting how all the different storylines came together. Yeah. Like, um, like the old dying king when he threw the jewel of um, Stormhold up into the air, that's what actually knocked her out of the sky. I was like, whoa, that's so cool. <laughs> and then, and then I think, you know, with the witches, they're, they want it so selfishly. They want to exploit it and use it for themselves. Right. For and, everlasting youth. Yes. And Tristan thinks he's going after it for love. Um, but I think he learns lots of lessons about love throughout that journey. <laughs> mm-hmm. I love her when she meets him and she's like, go away. <laughs> oh, can I tell you my absolute favorite part of the entire book is when she falls and she says, ouch. And then very quietly, fuck. <laughs> ouch. And it's even written in really tiny font in the book. And I was like, oh. I love this star. <laughs> oh, it was the best. I, I love her, too. She's great. I, I like how she doesn't really have a name until the end of the book, too. Yeah. That was like, oh, that's so nice. I like that. I'm like, oh, Tristan's really into her now. She's got a name. I'm like, ooh. <laughs> so Tristan tells Primus, I am the most miserable person who ever lived. To which Primus replies, 
you are young and in love, every young man in your position is the most miserable young man who's ever lived. <laughs> in what ways is Tristan's situation both extraordinary and typical? How is he like every other young person in love? I'll let you go ahead and take this one. <laughs> oh, because he, he wants to marry Victoria. Uh, I can't remember her Foster. Was Foster, it? Yes. yes. And she's like so not into him. And then like you find out later that she's already engaged to somebody else when he, she sets him off on this errand. And I was like, of course she was. Because yes. she was just awful. Oh, and I think young people in love are inherently miserable and they do feel like their situation is so unique, but that's why books like these are so great because it really is universal. <laughs> right. And they're so oblivious to faults and problems and suspicions of other people. Like maybe this woman that I love that I, she said I could have whatever my heart desired wouldn't say that if she was engaged to somebody else i mean like you would think that right like yeah. you think you would pick up on that but <laughs> he did not <clears throat> lady una wonders if the okay i can't even uh, which semen simile simile s-e-m-e-l-e simile wait s-i-m-e-l-e s-e-m-e-l-e I'm not looking at the right set of questions. Oh, no. Oh, there it is. Lady Una wonders if the witch smell. Mm -mm. Yeah. Transforms people into animals. Oh, dishwater sal. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> or whether she finds the best inside us and frees it. She adds that she has given it much thought, but has come to no conclusions. Which do you think it is? I loved that part in the book. Me too, which I was like, ooh, this is an interesting question. It yeah. is, yeah. Because, like, he gets turned into a little dormouse, right? Right, which is hilarious. Yeah, and then the um, Lady Una is a bird, and she turns the one, that well, the other witch turns that man into a goat. <laughs> and I, I did get I me mean, thinking, gosh, I wonder what kind of animal I would be. I don't know what what kind of animal my personality would be like. I still don't know, but I think it is interesting that we would have some of those characteristics inside of us. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, oh, that's a good question. And I was like, well, what, what would I be? I'm like, well, first I'm like cat. I'm like, no, I'm not very cat-like. I'm more dog-like. I'm like, oh, hey, hey, hi, hi. How's it go? Pet me, pet me. <laughs> oh, love me, love me. I love you. I love Feed you so me much. cheese. Right? <laughs> <laughs> Right? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I'm pretty cat-like. I like to sleep a lot. And... <laughs> and so people are like, go away. Yeah. Stay I will see you when I see you. <laughs> and not before I see you. Oh, you want to talk about our beverage? Mm. Sorry. It's so good. So they are mint juleps, which is bourbon, which I love. And then I picked the mint from my pot on the way here. So it's fresh mint. And simple syrup, crushed ice, and bourbon. And it's very lovely. Refreshing. It is very nice. Mm -hmm. I bought some Maker's Mark, and it is delicious. Yes. I was inspired to try a Mendula by a local... It's It was a like a bar at the time, but now it's not the Brass Eye. Oh. 
You it's, mean it's not a bar anymore? Well, kind of is, but it kind of isn't. Uh. It's weird. Like you go in there and there's like only a few seats and he's still selling a lot of bottles. Oh. But the bar is open. Oh. But most of it's bottles. So I'm very confused. I don't I don't buy drinks from there yeah. right now. I just buy bottles. I see. But he made me a mint julep and I was like, this is delicious. This is going to be one of my favorite drinks. <laughs> And then I was like, oh, crap, I have to drive home. <laughs> so what kind of behavior are exhibited by the range of characters we encounter in fairy? Do these characters, magical as they are, have clear counterparts in the world we inhabit? In what ways can stardust be read as a commentary on our own time? That is a very interesting question. And I'm not really too sure what to say about it I mean other than well I mean I guess you've got the witch that has her mother captive right it's his mother captive I guess people are like that in the real world who lure um, people away and yeah. lock them into servitude yeah take advantage of them and are willing to kill innocent people for their own gain yeah, yeah. definitely and then the whole like heirs killing one another yeah yeah <laughs> that too it's um yeah i guess it's a commentary on our not so best side of our nature the people in fairy in this book in particular mm -hmm. are quite villainous but then there's also super great people like the little hairy guy who's mm -hmm. <laughs> he doesn't know a little hairy man. Have you seen him around? I'm looking for a little hairy guy. <laughs> yeah, that was great. And he does say, um, you know, that a lot of people have helped him along the way. So maybe that's hopeful for us, too, that even if we have to deal with all these terrible people and terrible things going on, that there is always still hope along the way from others. We can only hope. We can only hope. I'm like, that's beautiful, Monica. <laughs> Is, all right, so the last question on this blog is, what traditional fairy tales and characters does Stardust draw upon, and how have they been given a new twist? What do you think about the underlying darkness in fairy tales? Does anyone live happily ever after? I didn't recognize really any other fairy tales when I read this that came specifically to mind. Did you? Not, not, no. I thought, um very princess bride yeah um in his in the audio interview he does talk about how it's rem reminiscent of other adult fairy tales and he names them off but i can't remember what any of them are besides the princess bride yeah i was like oh i should write this down and i should look, up, <laughs> look these up and then i didn't <laughs> and i'm like not going to now because i'm lazy sorry people <laughs> Well, and I think fairy tales have always been dark tales, um, like Grimm's fairy tales and all the fairy tales were um, essentially one of the things that I've heard about them is they were just cautionary tales for children. So they were supposed to like scare your kids from getting lost in the woods kind of thing. <laughs> well, the lady that, that wrote these questions actually answers them mm. at the end of the page. And I like what she wrote here. <coughs> She's like, uh, blah, blah, blah. 
nothing ever ends happily ever after. There has to be a balance. I like how Tristan grew old and eventually died, but the star continued to rule. I thought that was fair. Just like, anyway, I feel that Tristan's story is like any coming-of-age tale in a traditional fairy tale. I feel like there's parallels that can be drawn to many traditional tales from Stardust, but she can't think of any in particular. So I was just like, hmm. Us either. right. (laughs) (laughs) That's funny. Yeah. And I thought it was really cool how um, in the book, the star doesn't eat and doesn't drink. And can't have children. Right. Where in the movie, you blatantly see her eating when she's on the pirate ship up in right. the clouds. Yes, yes. And at the afterward, you know, they say, oh, after all of their children and grandchildren had grown. And it's like, wait a minute. You know, and the coolest part about the book is that they made the... The coolest part about the movie is that they made the mother rule as regent while they just went out exploring. Right, yeah. <laughs> yeah, they're like, uh, we'll meet you there. Yeah. And she's like, when are they coming? I don't know. I'm like, you'll see us when you see us. <laughs> <laughs> but the but the movie did have a more typical feel-good Hollywood happily ever after ending because they use the candle and they both become stars you know so essentially they both live forever as stars right but uh, i felt like it took away a little bit from the book yeah i really like how he used the candle just to escape and he burns his hand and now he's got this wound because of the star and i was like i thought that was way better yeah so um as far as the movie's concerned do you think it would pass the the Bechandel test. I don't know what that is. I clicked on the link and I was reading it and my brain was going wah, 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 wah. So <laughs> that is if there are two main female characters that are in a scene that talk to each other about anything else besides the other man main character. Oh. So... I don't know. Does the star ever talk to Victoria? She talks to um, Victoria, and she, she's like, "Oh, you're gonna get married." She's like, "I'm getting married," and you know. But um, oh, I haven't seen the film in so long. I can't remember yeah. how that scene plays out in the film. I just watched it today, and I don't remember. And she talks to her mother-in-law, but briefly in. Yeah, I don't think so. Yeah, I don't think so either. And in fact, I think in the movie, I don't think she does talk to Victoria. Victoria comes to her and Tristan's wedding, is a guest at the wedding. Okay. And they're like crowned king and queen and stuff, and it didn't happen in the book, so. Right. Yeah. And then, oh, that was another thing. So his mom gets freed when there's a week with two Mondays. Uh-huh. And Victoria is going to marry Mr. Monday, which is kind of gross because he's really old, old and she's a teenager. Yeah. So that was a little disturbing. Right. He's like, the grocer? <laughs> yeah. Like, what? <laughs> and so then she says something about, oh, this week we'll have two Mondays because she's going to become Mrs. Monday. Right. So that's when Tristan's mom gets free. And I feel like that was really clever 
And because you're like, a week's never going to have two Mondays, you know? Right, right. And in the in the movie, they just killed the old witch that had her held hostage. And I thought that was a cop-out. Yeah, <laughs> that was. And I thought it was very um, interesting. It doesn't really talk about Dunstan's dad hooking up with his mom oh. in the movie either. Yeah, in the movie, the Tristan's dad is just... Um, a bachelor. He just was given this baby over the wall. But in the book, he's married. And so Tristan's sister is only six months younger than him. Right. <laughs> and I thought that was super clever, too. <laughs> that nobody ever figured that out. <laughs> oh, that made me laugh. So, yeah, his family, his real mom, his, like, you know, his stepmom, I guess, um, is not even, and his sister aren't even in the movie. Yeah. Yeah. Then that, that's just, yeah. I was like, what? (laughs) (laughs) But it was kind of weird at the end, because I feel like even though he was part fairy, like, he pretty much just goes back to Wall and, like, says goodbye to his family forever. Right, I was very sad about that. Me too. I was very sad. I was like, oh, that's sad because, like, um, the star, whose name is Strange, I can't think of what it is. Oh, I can't remember. It starts with a V, right? It was like Y V. Yeah. A L I N or something like that. Yvane. Yvane. Yeah. Yvane mm-hmm. can't go over in the wall mm-hmm. into, like, the real world because then she's just a ball of iron and he was like you're gonna go over there for me and she was just sort of like yeah like what ups uh-huh. <laughs> oh. I was like I can't believe that you were, you agreed to come and she was like yeah I was like those two those yeah. two it was much more of a them falling in love on the journey in the movie or I mean yeah in the movie than it was in the book they were much more like a bickering couple. <laughs> like, they didn't really realize how much they liked each other at all until the end. But the movie is a little bit more gooey-gooey. Yeah. 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 I still liked it. I did, too. I did, too. And I, I did see the movie first a long time ago. I didn't even know it was a book. And then I read the book a few years ago. Because I started, we read the Nancy Boys for... Oh, yeah. Yeah, and so then I went and checked out, like, every book the library had by him. (laughs) And I was like, oh my god, I saw this movie. (laughs) And Nancy Um, Boys is my favorite Neil Gaiman book still. I just, I love that book. I love it so much. I like how it, it combines, like, a whole bunch of different cultures in it. Like, there's British, there's American, there's Caribbean, there's African. It's just... It's, oh, I just, oh. and then, like, I love all the characters in that book. Like, I really, I like Stardust. I like it a lot. I'm like, but Nancy Boyce, I think, is, like, still my favorite. I'm like, yeah. Oh. Yeah, it was but, really good. But I love Neil Gaiman, and I was recently, um, I was looking, I borrowed a book, but I didn't have time to read it, so I returned it, because I saw on Libby that somebody wants to borrow it. I was like, oh. I, I won't be able to finish this for, like, at least two weeks, so go ahead and you can read this book, because I'm reading this long book instead. And it's, uh, so, like, if you liked 
The Ocean at the End of the Lane, and another book that I have read that you would like this book. And I was like, oh, oh, I'm like, I've read both of those books. I'm like, oh, I think I will like this book. And so um, I returned it, but then I went and put it back on hold. Now it's like a six-week wait. I'm oh, like, no. holy smokes. I'm like, ah, curses. Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> so do you have any parting thoughts? Oh, I think I have pretty much said everything I wanted to say about it. I'm glad that we picked this one because it was fun to reread the book and it was fun to watch the movie again also. What was your favorite part of the movie? My favorite part of the movie was actually the pirate ship. Same. Even though it really was not the same in the book at all. It wasn't the same they, at all, but it was so much fun. Yes, because then they had this flamboyant captain who was trying to put up this front about his serious reputation and the whole thing was about just accepting yourself who you are as who you are and why should you try and hide who you are because you're great and I thought that was fantastic I loved his closet I did too and it was funny yeah it was hilarious <laughs> and it was just old enough that it was like it was a little bit shocking at how insensitive like they were to him <laughs> like one of the pirates said something like um, that's okay, Captain. You're always be our captain. We always knew you were fruity or something like that. And I was like, and kind of like, was like startled a little. And I'm like, can you say that? I don't think you could say that. He didn't say that. Yeah. So, yeah, that was my favorite part of the movie. That was also my favorite part. <laughs> I love the pirate ship in the movie. I was like, yeah, yeah that's hilarious. Like, in the book, you're like, hmm, I don't think that's how that went down. No. It was like, much more serious. And, yeah. like, he was sort of like, how do you know all this stuff about me? And what's going on? And they're like, ah, oh, we know things. We know people. And he's like, oh. <laughs> well, thank you, everyone, for listening. Yeah. We will see you again next month. Bye. Bye.